We've been talking about change, and uh, change, we've talked about the inevitability of it, that it happens, whether we like it or not, whether we want it or not, it is part of life, and we've been talking about how we might deal with that. And I'm going to tell you about a prophet this morning. His name was Jeremiah, and he challenged the people to change. Jeremiah, however, he had a really, really tough job that he would, he was calling the people to change, to be different, but it was tough because they had been disobedient, not just for a little bit, but for literally generations, they had been disobedient. And God had been calling them back, and they had been ignoring God. And so the, the consequences, the problems were getting greater and greater and greater. And Jeremiah was challenging them to change and to be different. And quite frankly, they just weren't listening very well. Jeremiah, for all his uh, hard work as a prophet, he didn't get a whole lot of thanks. In fact, he got beat up. He got even sent to prison on occasion where, where he was punished for simply speaking God's word because that's what prophets did. Prophets told people what God was saying. They'd get up in the morning, uh, they'd listen to the voice of God, and they'd tell people what God was saying. For 40 years, Jeremiah did this, and the people often did not listen. So I think for many of us, we know sometimes we need to change. Uh, maybe we hear God's voice calling us to change, or we just hear it from somebody else, or we just know it's something we should do, but we don't want to do it, right? If we're honest, we just don't want to make the change. Uh, I can think of many changes in my life I'd probably be wise to make, but I don't because I don't want to. For example, one, one advice that I have is that I drink pop. Now, if you, if you know anything about this, you know there's no health uh, benefits to it, right? Nobody says, oh, I do this because it's just so low calorie or because it's so good for my teeth, you know, really, it's awesome. No, we, we all know that it's not, but I do it because I like it. There's no other way to say it, right? And, and we sometimes do this. We make an outright change to, or excuse me, decision to avoid change because we like things the way they are. But I don't think that's the norm for us. No, usually we don't change, or when we avoid change, we do it more subtly. We don't say, no, I won't do that. We say, oh, I should think about that. That's a good idea. You know, I, I'll give that some thought. I'll, I'll, I'll get around to that real soon. But hear me, friends. Avoiding a decision to change is actually making a decision to avoid change. Okay, If you avoid a decision to make a change, pragmatically speaking, you are deciding to avoid that change. You're just not calling it that. Oh, I'll, I'll do that someday soon. Oh, what you're really saying is, I'm not committed to doing that. I'm just not. It just sounds better when we say it that way, you know? We say, oh, I know that I should save for retirement, right? I'll start the next raise I get. That'll be great. Or, I know I should go on a diet. You know, January sounds like a great time for that, right? Everybody's going, that'll be great. A long time from now anyways, right? I don't need to worry about that too much. Or, or maybe, I know I should start reading my Bible more often, and, and they've got this great Bible reading plan. I'll do that 
next sermon series. I'd hate to, you know, hate to jump in in the middle. That's just awkward. So I'll save it for next one. And you know how it goes. Next one comes. The next one comes. And, you know, they talk about a road to somewhere that's paved with good intentions, right? Because we oftentimes we do that. Avoiding a decision to, ma- to change is making a decision to avoid change. I, uh, so Jeremiah, he had a challenge that he had to tell God's word to people. They didn't necessarily want to hear it. And to make life even harder, there were false prophets around. Jeremiah wasn't the only one claiming to hear from God. There were others who said, oh, I'm a prophet. I hear from God as well. And let me tell you, that Jeremiah, he, he is such a Debbie Downer. You know, he, he's always telling you what you don't want to hear. And he's, he's telling you all the hard stuff. Did God really say that? Does God really have that much of a problem with sin? I, I don't think so. It's not that big of a deal. Jeremiah, you're just blowing this way out of proportion. Now imagine how hard it would be to be speaking God's truth, calling people to hard change in an environment where they're being lied to by a false prophet, told something completely different. I want to invite my friend Alex Keller to uh, join me here this morning. Alex is going to come over to our lectern side, and Alex is going to help me illustrate what it would be like to be Jeremiah in those days. Alex is going to speak and be like the voice of Jeremiah, and I get to be like one of the false prophets, okay? Now, true story to begin this here, Alex is a member of a great team. It's called the Educational Support Fund Team, and it's actually something we've had here at Anderson Hills for for many, many years, that they provide support. Um, Actually, they, they make decisions to help provide support for folks in our congregation who are changing careers or possibly going to college. And so this is only funded by the generosity of our congregation. And over the years, literally, we've given over $300,000 to help kids go to college and help adults transition into different careers, which I think is just so exciting. And one thing that they're going to be working on is going to be helping to train parents uh, to be able to help save for their kids' education, which is a really important thing. Alex, you want to tell us a little bit uh, about how, how might uh, parents, in, in your opinion, do this? Well, it's actually probably a lot easier than you might think. What you need to do is make a choice to support your children in college and make it early. Provide a certain amount, small amount, relatively small amount each month, and just allow the work of the miracle of compound interest. Sounds more like the miracle of compound boredom, if you ask me. I mean, come on, early in life, I mean, you, you know how expensive kids are? You got to start saving early. They cost me money all the time, right? Like, let me, I've got a plan that you're going to like a whole lot better than Alex's plan, let me tell you, okay? Three steps. Step one, wait until their senior year of high school. <laughs> Step two, take $1,000 and invest it in your favorite cryptocurrency. Step three, wait for Elon Musk to tweet about it. It goes up 200% and you've got 200 grand to the moon, baby. That is a very risky plan with a very high potential for failure. But all you gotta do, remember, put aside a small amount each month Use it maybe a 529 plan to help it make it work, and there you go. <laughs> so, 
Alex, how, how are we going on vacation, right? I mean, Well, vacation, come on, we can all cut back a little bit on vacation. Yeah, so if you follow Alex's plan, you're going to be going to Kroger for vacation, okay? That's what he'd like you to do. I'm not with Alex here on this, okay? I want you to have great vacation. I want you to be able to go to the Bahamas. In fact, we're going to give away a trip to the Bahamas today. Does anybody here want to go to the Bahamas? Anybody? Oh, we, we have a, a very excited one back here. Well, it's beautiful at this time of year, they tell me, but uh, also the finance team told me my ideas are uh, poor stewardship. I don't know. <laughs> regardless, regardless. The Bahamas? Every year, Alex? Okay. No? Okay, all right, let's give Alex a hand. <laughs> and Bruce as well. You should probably listen to uh, Alex's plan. Uh, at least I'm thankful that people in my life, in all seriousness, people in my life did, and it was a great blessing to help me along in school, and I'm so thankful. I'm thankful for a church that has a passion for this. It's one of many things we do to help build God's kingdom and bless future generations as well. Do you know, as, as Alex has demonstrated, it's tough to call people to change that may be difficult and require sacrifice. It's tough to do that when somebody is totally distracting them with false stuff. And that was Jeremiah's world, okay? And Jeremiah was calling the people to go deeper in their faith, okay? To not be spiritually stagnant, but instead to grow deeper. He was calling them to a real living faith. Hear his words, Jeremiah 17, verse 5. This is what the Lord says. It starts off hard here. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans, who rely on human strength and who turn their hearts away from the Lord. They are like stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for the future. They will live in the barren wilderness, in uninhabited, salty land. Here's the second part. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord. And who have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that go reach down deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. What a contrast. What an incredible contrast. You see it here on the screen, right? You have on the one side, you've got this little stunted shrub in the desert, right? And these things live on little, tiny amounts of water. They don't get water very often. And so they've got to rely on what little bits they get. Their growth is not large in significance. They live a life of scarcity, really. That's how they operate. And he says that this is what it's like for those who put their trust in mere humans, those who listen to the false prophets, those who don't respond to God's call to change. But blessed are those, he says, who trust in the Lord and make the Lord their hope. They're like a tree planted by the river. So they don't have to worry about a few months of drought. They don't have to worry about some hot days because their roots are going down into good soil. Soil that is watered day in and day out by the river. They've got, they've got hope 
They've got a future. They're not living in scarcity. No, they're living in abundance. And this is what Jeremiah challenges us to do in our spiritual life. He challenges us because the reality is that God is like this powerful river. He is the one who is the giver of life. He's the author of life. And he challenges us to to be like that tree. And see, here's the deal. Unlike plants, we have hope because we get to choose our location. Plants don't get to choose, right? Like, personally, I've never seen any shrubs walking down Beachmont Avenue like, I'm finding a new owner. My owner's terrible. Don't water me, right? They don't get to do that. They have to deal with what they got. But you have a choice. I have a choice. We get to choose where spiritually we're going to be living. Are you going to be living in that spiritual desert? Some of us have lived there for years, maybe decades. Or are you going to live by the water? Are you going to live close to the Lord, close to the source of life? That when you sink your spiritual roots down, it's not about you. No, it's about God. And you're sinking your roots down into God's word, into God's truth, into prayer. Maybe it's through your life group or your band. Uh, maybe it's through serving. Uh, maybe it's through reading the Bible, the uh, Bible study plans. Maybe it's through setting aside a time every day uh, to worship God and to pray. Whatever it may be, you're sinking down those roots, and God is constantly pouring into you. You know, many of us, we live in a spiritual desert because the fact is we have been listening to the lies that Satan tells us, and he loves to do it. He tells us all sorts of lies to keep us stuck where we are spiritually, right? And there's a bunch of versions of it. Maybe he tells you, you're too busy, you're too important, you're too cool, you don't have time for that stuff, right? Like, that's, that's for the weak-minded people of the world, and you're not one of them. Or maybe he says, you're not a spiritual person, right? Like, you just, you don't have that wiring, right? You know, uh, you, you're, not, you're not somebody who's like that. You, that's not you. Leave that to the professionals, right? You, you don't have any business there. Or maybe he says, you don't pray as well as so-and-so, or you don't sing as well as members of the choir, or you know, you know, you're just, it's not good enough. It's really not, so why bother with it? Or maybe he says, you have messed up so much stuff in your life. You should be ashamed. You, you really think God wants to hear from you? These are just a few. What's the lie that you've bought into, spiritually speaking? What is it that Satan uses to keep you stuck right where you're at? Because God is calling you to a spiritual life that involves change. Here's the deal. We give our life to Jesus. That's one decision, but that's just the first of many ones. We decide to follow Jesus. It's the most important decision ever, but then we make these ongoing decisions to live the way he calls us to live. That's, we call that spiritual growth. And it's a day in, day out process. It's not just one and done. No, it's a day in, day out process of growing more and more and more into the likeness of Jesus Christ. God is calling you into that place of spiritual strength. Because when you say yes time and time again, it's like you're exercising these spiritual core muscles, right, that strengthen you spiritually. And so you can withstand the difficulties of change. 
And you might say, okay, well, that sounds cute, but what does that, what does that mean? How do I know if I have a spiritually strong core? Well, let me ask you. How did you respond the last time that something went sideways in your life? So you got your bell rung. Maybe it was something simple, like somebody cuts you off in traffic or says something to you you don't like. Maybe it was a change at work that irritated you. Maybe it was word from the doctor of a difficult diagnosis that was going to lead to some change in your life. Maybe it was a loss. How'd you respond? Hear me. You don't have to love all these changes. You don't have to like them. There's a lot of changes we don't like, and that's okay. But a person with a strong spiritual core can respond differently than someone who's living in a spiritual desert. Okay? I believe strongly that changing your relationship with God will help you to handle all the other changes in your life. Because your relationship with God is central. So when you change your relationship with God, it helps you deal with all the other changes. And maybe, maybe if you've been struggling with change in your life, maybe the reason for that is because you don't have that spiritually strong core. You say, well, wait, I come to church, right? Like, what do you mean? Well, that's a great start. But if all you do to grow a relationship with God is, is to come here a couple times a month or even weekly, that's not enough. It's a good start, but it's not enough. You see, I mean, do you want to eat more than once a week? I do, let me tell you, right? And, and so if I would feed my physical body more than weekly, why would I not feed my spirit more than weekly? We read the Bible. I read the Bible in the evening. I do my uh, daily devotion in the morning. That's my rhythm. I pray then, right? That's how I tend to do it. What works for you? Uh, we, we, we worship together. Uh, we're part of a small group or a band, or a, a life group. Uh, we, all these other things that we could do, they, they help us to draw closer to God because Jesus is calling you closer. Listen to what he says in Matthew 7. Jesus says this, Therefore, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man or woman who builds their house on a rock. The rain came down and the streams rose. The winds blew against that house, yet it did not fall. Why? Because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man or woman who built their house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams arose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. What's the difference? You might say, well, okay, I understand. I need to buy real estate on rock, not sand. Got it. Okay. No, Jesus, he explains the difference in the foundation. And it's all about this. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. And there it is. Avoiding a decision to change is making a decision to avoid change. I don't know about you, but many times I've, I've sat in church, I've heard a message, and God's kind of sparked something in my heart. In my heart, I thought, oh, I need to, I should do that. 
and I go out the door and say, hey, great sermon, thanks, you know, and I go to lunch and gone. I don't do anything about it. And Jesus says that is the way to a sandy foundation. That that's the difference. Everybody, we hear these things. The question is, do you put these words into action? Do you change? Are you willing to make changes in your life? Those incremental changes that will grow you closer and closer to Jesus Christ. You see, when you build your house, when your life is built on the rock, you don't have to fear every change or resist every change because you know that you're serving a God who makes all things new, Revelations tells us. He makes all things new. It doesn't mean I'm going to like every change. It doesn't mean I'm going to celebrate every change. But I don't have to fear every change because my God makes all things new. Our God is changing circumstances. He's changing individuals. He's changing our lives and our hearts. He's changing families. He's changing churches. He's changing communities. He's changing cities. This is our God. He's on the move through the power of the Holy Spirit. He's changing the world around us, and he invites us into that change. He invites us to be a part of that. And I don't know about you, but I'm in. I want to be part of that. I want to see that happen here at our church, in our community, in Anderson Township, in, in, in Salem, in, all around this area, that God would be working in and through us. Think about that contrast again. The two bushes, right? The tree and the bush. What does your spiritual life look like today? Maybe for some of us, we'd say, eh, more like the shrub, or it's a mixed bag. I've got some areas I'm kind of in the desert, some I'm maybe a little closer to the river. Jesus is calling. He's inviting you into a relationship and a growing relationship with him. You can be by the waters. You can sink your roots down into that good and healthy soil, whether it's whether it's joining a life group or, or doing the Bible reading plan or, or um, finding a time each day to pray or finding an area to serve. Lauren invited us to serve in children's ministry earlier. You can take the first simple step. In fact, we'll make it easier than ever today. You can stay for lunch. It's free. How hard is that, right? I mean, come on, you know, we got a free children's ministry lunch. Maybe if God's guiding you that way, I don't know about you, but I've said yes to harder things in life than a free lunch to learn about children's ministry. But whatever it is that God's calling you to do, would you take a risk and say, yes, yes, I hear your words, Jesus, and I want to act on them. I want to step forward because I want to build on the rock. I want to build on the rock. God is calling you to change. And you know, if you keep doing the same things in your spiritual life, you're going to keep getting the same results. It's no different there than any other, way, other area of life. Maybe you say, okay, John, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know where to start even. I don't know where I am on this, this spectrum or whatever you're drawing out on that. I don't, I don't get that. Well, great news. It's perfect time to be asking that question. We've got a class. It's called Spiritual Growth Track. It's a three-week class, and then if you want to become a member of the church, it's a fourth week after that. But it starts on August 22nd. You can sign up on your Connect card. Uh, you can go to our events page. In fact, you can do that on your phone because this sermon's all about like doing things when you hear it, right? Like, so you can get out your phone now and do anything. I'll assume you're signing up for the class, right? I don't know any difference. But regardless, 
God calls us to change. And this is a great way to get started. It's all about this, the basics of faith and, and our spiritual growth and how God is calling us to become more and more Christ-centered, to love God and to love others, right? It's that first and second half of the gospel. God calls us to do that. Whatever it is, friend, don't settle. Don't settle for anything less than God's best. Don't settle for anything less than an ongoing going process of growth and change. Please, don't be dying in the desert when you could be drinking from the well of everlasting life. God, forgive us for the times where we settle. Where we settle for less than what you're calling us to. Forgive us for the times where we aren't obedient to you, but instead we listen to the false prophets, the other voices in our lives. God, would you draw us closer to yourselves, to yourself? Would you draw all of us closer to yourself? Would you help us to know your love? Lord, I pray for the one who came here today and is just ready to give up on this. They've been in the desert for a long time. God, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, right now, would they know your presence? Would they know your love? Would they know your forgiveness? That it doesn't matter how far they've ran, it doesn't matter what they've done, that you are God and you are here. And Lord, I pray that as we gather at this table, Lord, as we remember your incredible sacrifice, the Holy Spirit, that you would be with us in power. Jesus, that you would be present with us as we do this in remembrance of you. For God, we love you and pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.